before uh, one of the uh, ways in which Sankara uh, manifests or going establish experience of contact and we make so intention is fairly obvious we certainly seem to get the sense of something moves out and wants to do whether it's skillful unskillful clear or confused there's motivation oh yeah you know that is a dynamic attention oh right yeah you can focus in focus out oh yeah that definitely is you know, things are not here unless I attend to them, unless there's that. Sometimes the attention is grabbed, isn't it? And they grab your attention. And then you're in that. So quite a considerable amount of social experiences of attention being grabbed. You know, sights, sounds, lights flashing, telephones ringing, grab, grab, grab. So what is it? that kind of uh, attention is grabbed. Uh, and beauty, sometimes when we experience ourselves being in nature, attention is not grabbed. I mean, it's just whatever, you know, nothing is demanding to be seen or, or urgent. And that's, that's pleasant because attention can be less conditioned by um, these programs which are there to get us going in some slightly manipulative or organizational way. So that's a bit more relief. Now, perhaps what isn't so clear is contact. Contact, you might assume, it's just something that happens, isn't it? It's not, you know, I touch something, it's contact. It's not something I don't have to do anything, it just happens. Um, see something, so, oh yeah, contact, something strikes the eye and it happens. That's just, that's, there's no... Sankara, that's just that's just nature. Mm. But actually, there's a certain contact is a very powerful um, potential, and um, so it's said that karma begins with contact. Foundation for action or karma is contact. So when we kind of start to tease out that word, we can also recognize, particularly for you, the words impression, suddenly contact a little more, ah, I see what you mean. That thing has that impression for me. Oh, that's not just the fact that's subjective impression, isn't it? Yeah. That strikes me in a certain way. I mean, to acknowledge, yeah, there's a personal dynamic in that, in that context. <coughs> that sound strikes me as, yeah, that sight strikes me as your expression touched me what? <laughs> yeah and that completely missed me I didn't get it at all there was no contact you know, so contact when we start to tease it out actually is not just a, an automatic fact it's a very subjective experience and in it, there are, there are quite a lots of modalities that occur in that. First of all, as I was inviting you perhaps, you know, suggesting, wouldn't you just open the visual field without any particular attention? In fact, the, the instruction being, don't attend, just be aware. And so that's a very limited kind of contact, isn't it? Very minimal contact. You know, what rises with that? Saying, 
I am that which is contacted. It happens to me. I am passive to visual impressions that land on me. Now you compare that, say, now say just move your body. Now those qualities that are occurring, ah yes, well I'm doing those. They don't happen to me, I get them going. So the, the positioning of selfhood in relationship to contact varies in accordance with the sensory domain. When it's physical movement, then I am the one who does it. When it's visual impressions, I am the one who happens to. Aha, uh-huh. interesting. So, different sense bases establish different blueprints for contact. And visual contact generally is one, uh, there's a passivity about it. Unless I specifically determine to see, you know, I look for something. But when I look for something, it means I don't actually see it, and now, oh, now I can switch off and let it happen to me. I found it, right, and I take it in. There's a certain passivity about it. Scanning is to find a thing to be flooded with, or filled with. Whereas when we're going to physical stuff, I'm doing it, yeah, I'm definitely in there moving. It's not going to happen unless I do it. Mm. Different qualities. When we come into our embodiment, then there's some sense in which the beauty of it can be that one is in a way a little more empowered than visual. Yeah. Because you get a sense when you come into body, there's very much a sense of, oh yeah, I'm filling this body. I am filling this space, I am hearing this. More kind of empowered, you might say. Dynamic. This is a sort of very primary level that uh, perhaps isn't normally recognized, but just also to, to bear in mind that primarily in our social life, I would suggest that most of our life is oriented around the visual field. Uh, we're reading, driving, watching signs, looking at lights, checking things out, looking at each other's faces. Is she happy? Is he unhappy? You know, we're very much oriented around the visual field. Compared with a dog, primarily much more nose oriented. Dog comes and sniffs you. We generally don't do that with each other. <laughs> you wonder what a dog's day out in New York would feel like. Probably it was wonderful smells. Didn't even see the buildings, it smells. Whereas we'd be looking at shop windows. So different orient- orientations. Now, uh, I would suggest this bit, consider this, that most of ours is around the visual, particularly in social situations. So a lot of it is some passive, uh, you know, in that sense. So we can easily get swept along in it because we are we see we you know we experience the visual and the visual is always something separate from us we have no real say over it we well, can close your eyes but 
you can't moderate the visual in the same sense which you can moderate movement, for example, bodily sense. And this kind of places in a position of potential overwhelm <laughs> quite a lot of the time. Particularly when you go to a large social gathering, like London, for example, a big city, deluge of visual phenomena, light, sound, signs, advertisements, signals, triggers, bodies moving around, lost a tiny little fleck in this great stream of of experience. And generally when I go to London, I, I focus on the way I walk. helpful, don't feel so flooded, just focusing on walking at my pace not operating according to the pace of the signals unless it's, you know, traffic lights you've got to scoot across the road but not rushing to catch trains, not rushing to get to the escalator on time, not rushing just keeping (coughs) my bodyman going as as a kind of a safe place Recognize if I lose that, I'm in the stream of the kind of passive flood that pushes one down corridors and down alleyways and down staircases and into this, that, and the other. Contact then is quite significant, and moderating contact is a requirement because contact has the potential to first of all establish a sense of self, a particular mode of self, and then naturally contact floods with what one is contacting. The, the mind then receives or is being contact or one comes in contact with with all its triggering messages and mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Contact. Because whatever contact, when contact is, is, happens or occurs, when there is contact in the presence of contact, that sankara, contact means the arrival of perception and feeling. No perception contact hasn't been established yet. So, you know, unless there actually is a, uh-huh, oh, that's that then contact is still arriving, still tentative. Mm. Contact is also significant because, you know, although contact can be made through any of the sense bases, through eye, through ear, through so on, contact really establishes I am that which is contacted. I am that which is the subject of this object. And it's really, you know, primarily established at the bodily level, you might say, for, a, for a, um, uh, an embryonic, uh, you know, little thing like that. We haven't got the eyes yet. Still, they're in contact, and their contact is primarily 
just through, through the embodiment that's there and they're receiving impressions through their embodiment of what's the environment around them which could be the nature of the womb for example what's happening there and receiving that they're in that they're flooded in that and then arriving into into this world and the other sense media open up they're going to try and what the hell (laughs) 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 and and note the first thing I think as you were saying you know first thing if I forget what's this body thing you know, it's this, wow, that, oh, that, me, that's me, yeah, that bit. <laughs> you know, it hurts, therefore it's me. <laughs> or it's got pleasure in it. There's some sense of contact is established in this. And so the body remains, even notionally, the basis of contact. When I say notionally, it means, you know, when, when, I, when I see something, I really see it, when the scene is established, there rises the sense of, oh, this thing here, is that this thing here. And this thing is a kind of a notional embodiment. I'm here, I'm this thing here, which is a reference back to this basis, this base. But of course, with the, uh, the seeing, the difficulty of it is, is that the seeing by itself does not see me. It, you know, where the touching does. So we impart to the, to the seeing, distant or far, the same kind of subliminal messages as we really have with physical contact, which is, is it safe? Is it okay? Is it pleasant? Would that be nice? Right. As if behind that, there's some kind of basic signal, should I reach into that or should I pull away from it or you know, and that comes with the scene uh, and it comes with the other bases too so the nature of contact becomes very evident in the physical base when I contact something it contacts me that could be risky or it could be delightful and I don't know yet until I make contact so but it could be bad, Uh-oh. but it could be good, Uh-oh. but you don't know. <laughs> so the sort of vacillating negotiation occurs in which the other senses say, it looks like that thing remind me, reminded me of something pleasant, you know. Okay, so you, you, these other perceptions then, this is what the little one does, it starts to establish through these other sense media, that which would be agreeable contact or disagreeable contact. You build up the library of that. And naturally, sometimes that library has some, um, you know, generics get established. Perceptions are generic. That means all those red shiny things are apples. Well, after a while, no, they're not. Some are footballs, but you know. Uh, so you kind of moderate, but you get basic generics, and you kind of tidy it up as life goes on. An apple is good, except when it's got that dark, dull patching. That means that's rotten. Oh, okay. So you begin to add details to the generics. So perceptions act as generic blueprints that we then place upon an object and then check it out. 
So it gives us a tentative sense of this could be okay. Possibly. Looks like it. Get closer. It won't bite you, so we can play with it, figure it out. So this occurs around contact, a lot of negotiating around contact. Um, or there should be. Of course, sometimes the generics are so established that we just jump right in without really negotiating. And then sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't get it right. And of course, the most potent uh, form uh, perceived experience is the other humans. They carry huge significance for, well, you know, everything really. Praise, blame, support, criticism, uh, fondness, malevolence, trust, mistrust. So a <coughs> huge amount. So you see another human being that is not a, a neutral perception. That's a highly triggering kind of how is this experience. And you look for the signs. And of course, people make, uh, not all the signs are accurate. Just because she looks a bit unhappy doesn't mean it's my fault. <laughs> it could be because she's got a headache or she's just had a difficult time somewhere else. But one can, you can trigger it, trigger it in that way. Yeah. And so this can be happening a lot of the time. And then these, you, the subjective karmic impressions because of what events have occurred, what I've learned to interpret from my gen- generic library, a sign of disapproval is a reference to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I'm the one who's looking or interested, therefore it's a reference to me. Uh, that can get imprinted upon all kinds of criteria. The house is a mess, it's my fault. Uh, people aren't happy, it's my problem. Um, you know, um, we had discussion, he got upset because of something I did. Or, or it could be the other way, it's all his fault. <laughs> it's all her responsibility. So these kind of karmic impressions get, get flooded field of contact. Contact is potent. Therefore we all contact which should be that sense of well, you know, measure point and pausing, referencing, how am I in this? So that at least there isn't that flooding, you know, whereby one rushes forward or surges back. Or if we are rushing forward and surging back, you know, which may happen, then we don't I then wait a minute ground, 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 otherwise it's going to get seriously messy. Ground, 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 space, ground, space, ground, (laughs) until things at least steady to a point where I can determine no, definitely no, or definitely yes, or definitely, definitely maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely could inch forward a tad on this one, you know. So ground and space, this is very uh, important and consideration and contact just to so long, too long but um, a very renowned um, sutta I suppose I've got it here Honeyball Sutta 37 
I won't go through the whole thing. This is the Majima 19. Honeyball, Madhu Pindika, 19, I believe. Not difficult to find in the Majima Nikaya. And and uh, yeah. Oh, here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Read the page. Depend on an eye and forms, eye consciousness arises. Eye forms. So definitely there's this eyeball, definitely there's a form. Eye consciousness arises. Form. The meeting of the three is contact. Something is registered. With contact as a requisite condition, there is feeling. So this original primary feeling, which could be mildly agreeable, mildly disagreeable, vacillating, not quite certain, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. What one feels, one perceives, or labels in the mind, are that's that, again, um, pre-media. What one perceives, one thinks about, what one thinks about, one proliferates upon. Based on what a person proliferates, the perceptions and categories of proliferation assail him or her with regard to past, present and future forms. And so this goes through all the sense media. So we have the primary um, sense organ, say the eye, form, consciousness, there's an apprehension of that. Aha. Uh-huh. Consciousness apprehends and it, in a way, it establishes a sense of subject-object. I am with this experience. I am with this scene. Now the I isn't named, it's just the subjective sense arises. There's there's the scene, there is this seeingness which is centred here. with no identity to it. That's what consciousness does. There is a feeling, and still it's very much impersonal. There's just a feeling. And then the person starts to be established, what one perceives. So the feeling is just this ripple of agreeable or disagreeable. And then as that becomes um, established, and again, this is all quite momentary or very fast, one perceives. So one perceives means there is a, a classification of that experience according to pre-existing generic models. That's an apple. That's a person. That's Herbert, whatever. You know. So, so then definitely a little bit more subjective personal quality comes into that my personal feeling, my personal inclination, my personal senses around Herbert, the apple, whatever, you know. 
I start to manifest as someone who has preference, inclination. Um, Based upon that, then cogitation starts occurring. Oh, I wonder if this, I wonder if that, maybe I could this, maybe I could that. Is it this, is it that? It's kind of trying to, you know, etch that in, yeah, with referring to the mind base. So this is all the process of contact looking to move into decisive action. So first of all, contact establishes the feeling, establishes a subject or subjectivity, starts to personalize that subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Having personalized that subjectivity with this series of memories and impressions, mm-hmm. it then starts to, what do we do about this? What do we do about that? What's the action that can come here? Should I say hello to Herbert? Should I smile? You know, should I look the other way? <laughs> you know, so one starts to think about. So then it becomes a detailed program specific action based upon perception. And then that then starts to cascade because one is negotiating through this process of synthesis of the sense base, the pre-existing perception, and the here and now possible intentions that could occur, which is the right intention to carry forth out of all this. And then it starts to cascade because of innumerable qualities that could come up. And then it comes, then one starts to feel and says, assailed, that is, you know, suddenly I am, my goodness, all these things coming over, what I could do, say, should do, should, what does he think of me, you know, know, so one can become completely flooded with this process, so the cascade of Sankara starts off as a trickle, turns into a river and goes into a waterfall, and we are kind of, can be flooding with all the senses of what I should, could, what he might think, how am I, am I always like, and this sort of stuff goes on. Mm-hmm. And what I was in the past, and what he, and meanwhile, Herbert hasn't got a word in yet. <laughs> <laughs> he just stood there, and I've done all this stuff. <laughs> Before he's actually done anything, more than manifest as a visual object. Well, and he's probably doing the same thing to me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So he goes through all the sense media. <laughs> And then, <clears throat> when there is no I, when there are no forms, there's no eye consciousness, it's impossible the one will delineate a delineation of contact. Clearly, yeah, if you don't see it, you can't possibly get a visual thing going or any kind of impressions based upon the seeing. That's pretty obvious. 
and he goes through the sense bases and then down to the base of thought. When there's no delineation of thinking, it's impossible that one will delineate delineation of being assailed by the perceptions and categories of proliferation. So it goes through all these various categories, including the mind as thinker. This is man, mind as mano, rather than mind as chitta. So mano is the um, sense organ of the chitta that deals with abstractions. So jitta, the effective sense, heart, mind, awareness, and mano is the secretary that does the logistics based upon those primary impulses of interest, curiosity, uh, warmth, or aversion. Then mano starts pumping out the logistical commands and words and structures and memories that will detail that. And the gist of the sutta is that if one begins to work on quietening that, stilling that sankara flow, then it's impossible there will be the sources of proliferation, the <coughs> obsessions of resistance, the obsessions of passion, the obsessions of uncertainty, of conceit, of ignorance, the ending of taking up rods and weapons, arguments, quarrels, disputes, accusations, divisive, tile-bearing and false speech. <laughs> so, essentially saying that all of that unskillful behaviour, those unskillful karma, is based upon a delineated contact being established purely dependent upon subjectively held impressions uh, that are proliferated upon. From this we can deduce certain certain uh, mandates or certain um, imperatives for practice. One is contact, sight, sound, touch is not a small matter. It's an essential matter, it's a significant fact matter. What happens when you see, touch, hear, sound? And particularly the sense bases that are most uh, activated for us are the visual and the, the mental. That's generally most of our life is organizing around, around that, you know, sights and, and concepts. Uh, future, past, self, other, duty, obligation, self-imagery is all mentally concocted. Mm. So how does it, you know, so we notice what particular mental impressions are being triggered by that. And just bearing in mind that 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 we that we experience in this level is karmic. Uh, it's a, it's, so it's, it's something that, that can propel and push us and essentially it's not a true reading of the situation yeah. because you see all that happened without reference to the object in itself all that was just my take on the object or a very subjective take on the object the subjectivity 
that has been definitely moulded and affected through past events and past karma and undercurrents of, of need or fear or anxiety or searching or seeking it's an extremely biased consciousness so you need to almost negotiate contact with the object So when we um, sort of begin to unpack some of that into manageable pieces, mm-hmm. the usefulness of restraining contact, which doesn't mean you know, restraint doesn't mean completely shutting it down. If you shut it down the way you don't have to deal with it at all. The restraining contact, for example, is when, say, our, our eyes are open, we're, we're not particularly pointing to any particular thing with no specific intention. It's just be aware there is the visual field. Right? So, in a way, that's a very restrained form of contact. It's a very open form of contact at the same time. We're rest- restraining attention restraining intention and just holding that back and just open aware and then seeing then you begin to discern the kind of pushes of interest oh that looks oh that could be kind of pushing recognizing one can can navigate and negotiate with that Um, moderating contact means that say um, you know, particularly mental contact, we are very much, ooh, a lot of stuff going on in here. You know, then what about if you move? All right, that sort of takes you off the boil of the mind. Because yeah. just by the fact that we are shifting our subjectivity from that which is assailed, you know by thoughts, that which becomes the object of thoughts, because the visual sense and the conceptual sense pretty much coincide and sometimes we are the thinker more often we are that which feels you know, almost overwhelmed by thoughts so it kind of represents the visual sense and it can swing from one to the other so when it's that sense of being flooded with you want to move from the sense of the passive, that which is thought upon, to, so when we move, oh yes, I'm here, I'm the agent, I'm active, I don't need to be in this, I can experience myself, my subjectivity, you know, as a, you know, potent, active, present entity that's not getting triggered on with this thought impression. It's still there, but I've got some alternative mode to, to be with. So there's UK restraining contact, moderating contact. Yeah. And then obviously as a medit- as meditation then recognizing that you know with contact where what is suitable to put what kind of attention on. 
and again the simple rule of it is if it grabs you and pulls you in you don't want to give it attention because then it's got you uh, if you can hold it say, okay that's that use it for inquiry then you've got it then you can put your intentionality into it you can sort of okay this is aversion right let's have a look at this feels like this does this to my body has this energy to it reminds me of this uh, here I can move within that so interesting enough you know particularly when we get used phrases like non-attachment and so forth difficult term uh, it's not exactly what it is sometimes abstracted as decisive engagement from a active place is the path to disengagement decisive engagement from that active place rather than a kind of passive reactivity but definitely engaged I'm here, I've got my ground I start to unpick this that decisive engagement is the path to disengagement it means we, we are able to get in there and find the plugs and unpull the plugs that get us activated, that get us stimulated. But passive disengagement does not lead to disengagement, it leads to passivity. So we can't just say, well, nothing to do with me. (laughs) Uh, Back off, back off, back off. That tends to lead you to a kind of zoning out experience. Uh, the, the called the vibhava, the thirst for just zoning out, you know, uh, or distraction. You know. So that seeming non-attachment is not non-attachment. It's, it's an un, unskillful disengagement. Skillful disengagement. Skillful engagement is the path to disengagement. Uh, compulsive disengagement is the road to nowhere. so this again perhaps adds another detail to the point that in order to de-sankara some of these things you have to sankara it you have to activate within that but you activate from the place where you definitely are decisively activating from your ground and that can be anything like you have your mantra you have your breath you have your walk, whatever it is, you have your perception of whatever it is that holds you in your ground. And then from there you say, okay, this one now, I approach it when I want, I give it the attention I want to, I step back when I want. You know, I can negotiate contact with this. I don't have to just sit there and have it land on me. Yeah. And for me, this very much helps with kind of re- revisiting the language of, of meditation and practice uh, and I've certainly had a lot of sense of um, you know, questioning terms like watching the mind mm-hmm. observing, being an observer 
necessarily kind of um, for cooking up more stuff and perhaps the word is just a word and like what you make of it but um, yeah it can be watching it and it begins to inquire into but in my sense is handling it's much more useful for me handling the mind it means then I because hands they can pick up they can relax they can be very sharp they can be soft they can be nurturing they can they can twiddle they can they have to make them you know and I think all these modes are pertinent to to, to dumb practice hands on dumb practice so as we come into you know personal experience direct experience just how do you con- what kind of contact do you deliberately formulate in terms of you know, the perceptions and feelings and personal messages that arrive in your space? Yeah. It's not just a matter of defining them, though that's, that can be useful, just keep it a very limited definition. Try to avoid going into the long script cut the script down to feels good, feels bad, feels pressure, feels want to get away. Now, just to, det- just to describe what the contact impression is. Describe what the contact impression says. It says, feeling pushed back, feeling sucked forward, feeling small, feeling big. You know, what the first impression of subjectivity is. And then, wait a minute. Let's change that into feeling grounded, feeling present. You know, that sense, perception. And then, okay, now how can I negotiate with this and unpick this? And something we can do as we walk, or stand or sit. Um, I have to encourage walking, particularly in Britain, it's very much indoor, Partly because of the weather, partly because often people don't even have enough space to walk around. But um, it's a very useful form of practice because you always that moving body, t- feet touching the ground. You've got a sort of fundamental embodied sanity is right there. <coughs> we meet this afternoon, so we'll just sit for a little while and try to uh, put some of that into practice.